unexpected pleasure were honored by your presence. Yo, G, I'll be there to see why your homies ain't working their booties off. I assure you, Lord Mayor, my men are working as fast as they can. We be seeing if they get this ride going with six foot seven of black staring down. I tell you, this station will be operational as planned. Well, the man don't think so. He be cruising down here to check out this ride. The Empress coming here? Yeah, and he gonna put a cap in your white ass. We shall double our efforts. Damn straight. And remember, this be CNN. You're listening to 90.7 FM KLX. I'm Franklin, and welcome back to Brick of Rocks. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. I'm Charles Lee. And I'm Gordon Campbell. Coming up on today's show, moons, weight loss, and talking dogs. Also joining us is Lynn Lee, who will be talking to David Ford on marijuana. In addition, you can find out all about the six type of corks. So stay tuned for all of this plus the world-famous Question of the Week, right here on Berkeley Garage. Back to Berkeley Rocks, I'm Franklin. And I guess that makes me Charles Lee. And I'm Gordon Campbell. All right. All right, the team is back. I'm ready to rumble. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Woo-hoo. Who's going to f- take me down? Who's going to take me down? I got the power of science on my side. How about the Atkins diet? Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> Which one are you on these days? Uh, I'm still on the zone. On the zone? Yes. It doesn't give you bad breath? <laughs> I think... Uh, Not that anybody's admitted. Uh, that's, I think the garlic diet is what you're thinking about. Oh. Well, it turns out what people with a high-protein diet have a higher incidence of halitosis or bad breath. Right. I think it's because uh, they have higher amounts of uh, urea being formed from oh, pro- all the protein. By breaking down proteins. Yeah. It's actually uh, ketones that ketones, are formed yeah. in your breath. But speaking of diets, uh, <laughs> here's the real story. There's a new one called the Da Vinci Diet. Oh. Does it have anything to do with the Da Vinci Code? Uh, no. <laughs> actually, um, it's based on what people think that the artists and uh, thinkers were eating back in those uh, Da Vinci days. Oh, okay. And uh, is, that, is that actually what the era was called, the Da Vinci days? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just what this uh, author, Lanzalota, is uh, professing. Uh, and he uses a complicated formula for this diet. And it relies on the number phi, or 1.618, also known as the golden ratio. Okay. 
<laughs> so it, it was course. very mathematically a pace for some reason. <laughs> All right. You can dispute that. Yes, yeah. I mean, you have a number, uh-huh. for Christ's sake. <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. How does one actually go about eating this number? <laughs> <laughs> eating a number? Ooh, that sounds, uh, sounds very bold. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of uh, bakers are actually interested in promoting this book because it, it turns out uh, a lot of bakeries around America have uh, been losing sales due to the uh, the Atkins diet. Okay. Well, um, hopefully... Why, did, why does this book change their views on the Atkins diet? Well, because since it's uh, so protein-based, uh, people have been uh, eating much uh, less uh, baked goods or carb-based so goods. The Da Vinci diet is carbohydrate-based? Uh, well, it has a lot of bread, uh, a lot of grain, grain-related grain uh, uh, foods in it. All mixed in the golden ratio. Oh, yeah, <laughs> which uh, I, I guess if you want to find out, you have to read the book. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> I guess if people want to learn more about that diet... <laughs> Just uh, go get a copy of The Da Vinci Diet, which should be in bookstores uh, near you very soon. Well, I'm not so sure about The uh, Da Vinci Diet, but uh, planetary objects may uh, have an interesting way of losing weight. Really? Yes. You well, mean by taking less carbs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the carbs, fat, or protein. <laughs> Uh, a little bit of minerals, actually. <laughs> oh, like in, uh, in, in like, say, volcanic eruptions or something? Uh, or, or in fact, high impacts with other stellar objects. <laughs> Ooh. That sounds like a painful way to lose weight. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's apparently uh, sort of uh, common, I guess, in the uh, formation of the early solar system. It's like getting a chunk of your liver taken out when you uh, get in a fight or something, huh? Or, or getting your stomach stapled, I think, is kind of the same, <laughs> <laughs> same issue. <laughs> Uh, but uh, it's interesting because uh, a recent uh, the Cassini spacecraft has recently uh, flown by uh, Phoebe, which is one of Saturn's irregular moons, mm-hmm. and it's sort of shed insight into a number of interesting facets of how the early solar system was forming. Oh, you mean how these uh, planetary objects condensed or whatever? Not right. Right, and uh, so just based on looking at uh, how Cassini looks like, they think it was probably part of the early. Uh, planetary ring where Saturn was forming, mm-hmm. and Saturn basically just sort of accreted all these objects together. But it looks like they think a number of the smaller moons of Saturn might have just like been or collided off of uh, Phoebe when other objects actually hit it. So it, it's interesting work, and uh, actually beautiful photos that have just been shot from the Cassini space, uh, spacecraft flyby. Ooh, excellent. Yeah, so you can see all the, the pockmarks in the craters. And <laughs> Their website? Yeah, well, let's see. In fact, you can go to the uh, NASA JPL website to take a look at all these fine photos. Beautiful. Excellent. Well, to change subjects entirely, did you have you ever felt that you had a pet that could understand you? I've, I've always felt that my pets were smarter than I was. <laughs> well, I have an invisible rabbit. Well, that might be the case if you have the mind maturity of a toddler, at least. Oh, I have no toddlers who are sm- smarter than I am. <laughs> so apparently a border collie with a stellar vocabulary has accomplished a type of learning previously only seen in toddlers. The researchers say the finding indicates that even mammals distantly related to humans may have the rudiments of language learning. And they say there are problems with education in America. (laughs) (laughs) Well, clearly if the dog... Well, German dogs. The German education is so advanced, dogs are learning better. The dogs are smarter than American (laughs) American toddlers. (laughs) (laughs) So these dogs are capable of what's called fast mapping learning. Uh Uh, An example of this is if a child is told to fetch a fruit with an unfamiliar name from a bowl containing well-known apples and oranges plus a novel object, chances are he or she will figure out that the novel fruit corresponds to the new word 
and will remember that in the future. This type of learning is called fast mapping hmm. and has until now only been demonstrated in children. But uh, animal communication specialists at the Max Planck Institute of Evolutionary Anthropology in Germany now report that fast mapping is also at work in an ambitious border collie named Rico. And uh, this dog knows more than 200 words at this point. Wow. Man, those Germans are smart. <laughs> yeah. Well, he knows more German words than I do, I guess. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> About 200 more. <laughs> well, well, it's kind of interesting. So is it just this particular dog, or do they think it's like... It's dogs? just this particular uh, dog at this point. Uh, and of one. <laughs> right. But the extrapolation is that if this dog can learn it, then um, obviously this type of learning is not only confined to the human right. species. Well, I think we've known qualities have been pretty good for a while. Lassie, mm-hmm. she was, you know... She could get Timmy out of trouble in no trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, so apparently uh, they tested this fast mapping by asking the dog to fetch something he'd never heard of, nor seen from amongst a pile of familiar toys. Uh-huh. And seven times out of ten, he would get the he would find the right object. Uh-huh. And not only that, but Rico remembered about half the objects a month later with no further training, uh-huh. which is a hell of a lot better than I could do. Well, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> well, is it, I mean, he might just be like learning a one-to-one, um, like, you know, just sort of a, a mapping, I guess, or not remembering what the object is, right, but just sort of if you hear this command, just go do that, right? So it's sort of like a command rather than uh, knowledge of what the word is. That's true. Yeah. Maybe he knows, find the unfamiliar object in right. the pile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, but that's cool. So, uh, yeah, so if you want to know more about this, you can look at the Science Now website. All right, and that's all for our look at current developments in the world of science this week. In a few moments, Lynn Lee will join us to talk with David Ford on the medical benefits of marijuana, so stay tuned. This is Lynn Lee. Today we have a special guest, Mr. David Ford, who is active in the legalization of marijuana movement. He is also the author of two books, Marijuana, Not Guilty as Charged, and Good Medicine, Great Sex, How Marijuana Brought Me Creativity, Passion, and Prosperity. Welcome, David. Hi. Great to be with you and your audience. So can you start by telling us how you became involved in the movement for legalization of marijuana? Yes. Actually, uh, it started primarily when I was in high school. I had my own radio show 
show called Junior Jamboree broadcast throughout Northern California on KTIM in San Rafael. And a portion of my show, in addition to uh, interviewing uh, motion picture people and so on that were in the Bay Area at that time, I also interviewed kids on the drugs they felt and knew other kids were using. And generally in those days, it was either pot or alcohol. And uh, generally, the answer was that alcohol led to date rape. It led to fight at football games where high school kids would mix alcohol with their soft drink in their soft drink containers and then end up fighting with students in the op- from the opposite school. And uh, the kids who smoked pot attacked french fries. And during that time, we were constantly exposed, this was during the 1940s, to uh, propaganda from the government, such as marijuana is the most violence-causing drug in the history of mankind, that it turns people into criminals, and many marijuana users become hopelessly insane. And uh, this was, of course, diametrically opposed to what I had been hearing and interviewing literally hundreds of students. So that caused me to uh, invest my life as much as possible in exposing the lies of the federal government, which are continuing today. And today, Lynn Lee, the federal government, who you would like to, we would like to think is, uh, you know, learned something, are saying that marijuana today is more addictive and dangerous than heroin, methamphetamine, methamphetamine, ecstasy, and all other illegal drugs combined. And I've dedicated my life. Uh, I've been in television. I lived in Hawaii for 30 years. I was a broadcaster, journalist for CBS television in Hawaii. And as a matter of fact, I smoked uh, marijuana on live television to catch the attention of the audience to show that we could talk about medical marijuana. And even if we'd smoked a joint, uh, we could keep our mind together and focus on whatever subject we were talking about. And the interview, I had a, uh, an attorney, I should say, that I was interviewing that was smoking with and <laughs> promised to protect me if we got busted. And we had tremendous positive letters. The police never did anything. And as a matter of fact, in Hawaii, uh, marijuana was de facto legalized until 1980 when Bush-Reagan administration came in. I mean, you could smoke on the beach and even on the if you were working and a police car would go by and they'd just kind of give you a wave like, you know, be good, it's okay, it's cool. And uh, after uh, uh, Bush-Reagan came in, 95% of the marijuana in Hawaii was killed. Today, Hawaii has the highest methamphetamine rate of all states put together, and it just goes to show that when one drug is stopped, another drug will be taken place. So it only makes sense to legalize the least harmful drug for people that are of legal age. This is what I try to bring out in my books, which incidentally are doing so well nationally because they read like a novel. And the uh, first one was Marijuana Not Guilty as Charged, which you mentioned. And the new one is Good Medicine, Great Sex, How Marijuana Brought Me, Creativity, Passion, and Prosperity, which of course is uh, uh, totally uh, diametrically opposed to what the government is saying about marijuana you know, being a dangerous drug. Right. In your book, you talked a lot about the medical benefits of marijuana and also compared the health risks of supposedly marijuana to cigarettes and alcohol. Can you talk a little bit in more details about that? Yes, uh, about the well, the proven effects of marijuana. Incidentally, marijuana is in competition to alcohol, tobacco, and primarily pharmaceutical companies, and that's why it's illegal. The fact is that mar- marijuana creates appetite for patients with cancer, AIDS, and anorexia. It stops nausea and vomiting. Uh, reduces eye pressure and glaucoma patients, preventing blindness, controls muscle spasms in people with cerebral palsy and multiple sclerosis, 
some patients with epilepsy uh, discover substantial improvement when they combine cannabis with their prescribed medications to control seizures. Uh, pot reduces many forms of chronic pain, decreases anxiety and depression, eases withdrawal from alcohol, cocaine, nicotine, cigarettes, and heroin, and reduces the pain of childbirth and PMS, and is also a sexual aid in that uh, with time slowed down, you can use your imagination how that does aid in lovemaking. Uh, marijuana is supported by medical experts and prestigious scientific organizations such as the National Academy of Sciences and you know now the government says like stamp that plant illegal and put its users in prison. Mm -hmm. The DEA's own judge after two years of studying thousands of pages of medical marijuana documentation stated and it's on the front cover of my uh, first book Marijuana Not Guilty as Charged Judge Young stated marijuana in its natural form is one of the safest therapeutically active substances known to man. That was the DEA's judge in 1998, and with corrupt politics, the DEA administrator has the power to disregard anything their own judge says. John Lawn, who headed the uh, DEA as administrator in uh, 1980, uh, excuse me, 1989, stated that marijuana is a dangerous drug and it will stay in Schedule One along with heroin. Doesn't marijuana cause some mental damage over the long term? No, it doesn't. And this is something that has been put out by the government. It's more propaganda. The government, you know, has been lying about this plant because if you notice the various aids that marijuana help medically, imagine the billions and billions of dollars that are being made by the pharmaceutical companies to synthesize the ingredient from marijuana, the THC, which is the active ingredient, into a capsule called Marinol. And 40 milligrams a day of Marinol will cost you $2,000 a month. If marijuana were legalized and you can grow a plant or two in your backyard, you could aid many of these things in condi medical conditions, and you wouldn't need. It would put a lot of the pharmaceutical uh, companies, you know, really cut back on their business, and their stockholders, you know, don't like that idea at all. So are you implying that a force in why the federal government wants to illegalize marijuana is because of this maybe relationship, economic relationship with the pharmaceutical companies? There's no question in my mind. As an example, a pharmaceutical drug for glaucoma is called pilocarpine. The side effects include skin rashes, kidney stones, gastric ulcers, drug fevers, abrupt mood swings, hypertension, respiratory failure, or even cardiac arrest, which is death. And, you know, until our coin-operated politicians stop accepting money from corporations who do not want the competition of medical marijuana, it is going to remain an illegal plant. You know, it, that brain damage, incidentally, comes from a, a study by a man who is working for the federal government called the Heath Study. And he took monkeys and strapped a face mask on them and pumped in the equal amount of like 60 Colombian joint. After the test was over, there was such controversy from the scientific community, these monkeys were dissected and they found that they did not die from brain damage what they died from was asphyxiation. They, they were smothered to death. So uh, that's one reason I'm writing these books. It's imperative that we be able to debate people, the federal government, the drug, its Drug Enforcement Administration, and be able to debate and come back with answers for these things, such as marijuana causes brain damage and all of the other things that they say it does. 
it, as an example, they say marijuana wrecks the immune system. It's physically addictive. It's a gateway to heroin and other hard drugs. It's carcinogenic, more dangerous than tobacco. It's poison. It kills brain cells. It's ten times stronger and therefore more dangerous and addictive than in the 1960s. <laughs> That's to scare parents of the 1960s. It causes large breasts to grow on young men. Well, it, did, it didn't take long for disappointed transsexuals to disprove that myth. It causes genetic deformities. It causes users to be susceptible to communist propaganda. It causes cancerous tumors. It causes short-term memory loss permanently. It incites rape. It causes death. It incites crime, causes marijuana-related hospital emergencies, and is a major cause of highway accidents. It causes fetal alcohol syndrome homosexuality and AIDS. It causes children to join gangs and encourages gun possession and has no medical value. The first page of my new book, Good Medicine, Great Sex, I'm challenging the federal government. Lynn um, Lee and I'm offering $1 million cash for the federal government. The DEA has stated repeatedly and unequivocally that marijuana has no medical value, and consequently they have it classified as a Schedule One controlled substance along with heroin, even though the synthetic drug Marinol with the same psychoactive ingredient is in classified is classified in Schedule Three. I'm offering to pay the DEA one million dollars cash if within one year from the publication of my book the government can prove that marijuana has no medical value. So has the DEA taken up your offer? Uh, no they haven't. Uh, and incidentally I add with this uh, that uh, on the condition that if they cannot prove it, marijuana has no medical value. The federal government agrees to release all prisoners presently serving time for nonviolent marijuana-related offenses to cease arresting and charging others with such offenses and to move marijuana from Schedule 1 to Schedule 3. Well, there's no way that I could lose this bet because marijuana is medicine. The federal government Lee, has always known that it's medicine. The 1937 Marijuana Tax Act only prohibited the non-medical use of marijuana. They've always known it's medicine. And today the federal government, if you're familiar with the IND program, it's an investigational new drug program, started I believe it was 1986, that gave patients where no other medication worked for them, but marijuana did, they issued and are still issuing to, I believe it's seven people that are still left in that program, 300 king-size rolled marijuana cigarettes each and every month. That equals seven pounds of pot a year. And incidentally, when it's very imperative for students who I have the greatest regard for, especially students in sensible drug policy, SSDP, are exposing the lies of the federal government and trying to educate other students and adults that marijuana is not a dangerous drug and that it does have medical value. And it's just imperative that we have the information to do this type of debate. And this is why I write my book, is just to educate people. I'm not in this crusade for money. Anything that I make after getting costs back, I donate to organizations that are working for the national legalization of medical marijuana. So one last question. In 1996, California and Arizona approved marijuana for medical purposes. And you also mentioned the, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Can you talk a little bit more about this legalization movement towards really trying to accept marijuana socially? Yes. Uh, will legalization occur? Right. Or if and when 
marijuana is legalized, what type of maybe social benefits would come about? Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, the social benefits would be that it would be restricted far more than it is today. If you ask any of your students there, is it easier to buy liquor or to get pot? You'll find that it'll, they'll say, well, you know, the, the people who are selling pot, they don't care if a kid's 10 years old. But if you buy liquor, you have to be carded. You have to show identification. And if marijuana were legalized and identification had to be shown, it could be controlled far more than it is today. And legalization will occur only when people become involved in change. And if you're not involved, don't expect legalization anytime soon. And it's imperative that this year in particular that each of us vote. When George Bush was running for office, he was asked his feelings regarding medical marijuana, and he answered, well, I'm not for it. However, it's a state's right issue. And as soon as he was sworn, sworn into office, he had Attorney General John Ashcroft order the DEA to conduct high-profile raids on state-approved medical cannabis clubs. Both club employees and medical pot patients have been arrested and prosecuted and thousands of sick and dying patients have been denied treatment that their doctors insist they need. Well, thank you for coming on to the show and giving us this very interesting conversation. Well, it's, it's certainly my pleasure, and if it's okay, I would certainly appreciate it if I could mention my website. The books, incidentally, are available in uh, all quality bookstores, Amazon.com, but it's selling so fast on Amazon.com, they're not reducing the price. But on my website, I'm not interested in the profit. I want to get these books out. Uh, my website is www.davidrford, F-O-R-D, dot com and I offer a fifteen percent sales tax excuse me, fifteen percent off and no sales tax, which makes the books like wholesale and also there's much free pot information on my website, which is www.davidrford.com, as well as free chapters of the book Good Medicine, Great Sex. I also like to mention that the website www.davidrford.com is one word. So if you're interested in more information, check out that website. Great. Thank you so much, Lindley. Thank you. Hey, thanks a lot, Lindley. And she was just talking to David Ford on the legalization of marijuana. This is Berkeley Grosh you're listening to here on 90.7 FM. In a few moments, we'll find out what the quarks are. So stay tuned.
welcome back to Berkeley Rocks. And now here's Larry the Lounge Lizard with the answer to last week's question of the week. Oh, hey, hey, thanks a lot there, Frankie boy. Oh, you're looking beautiful tonight. Hey, you're all looking beautiful tonight, and it's great to be here on the Grok Show. Hey, sing me down one more tune. What was the uh, question of the week last week? Hey, boys, hey, you know what is going down. Oh, hey, boys, you know what the quarks go. Hey, the quarks go, hey, give me a tune. The quarks go up. Quarks go down, hey, quarks go round and round, oh baby, hey, you got the up, you down, the strange, the charm, hey, those are the six top of quarks, oh, you're looking beautiful there, and the lady, oh, the ladies, <laughs> looking fine tonight. And I'm Forrest, people call me Forrest Gump, down here in the south, over down under in Australia, they got this critter called the koala, it eats all the time, it sleeps all the time, but what does it eat? If you know the answer, or think you know the answer, email us at grox at hotmail.com, you won't win anything, but you might just be well fed. And that's all for this week's edition of Berkeley Grocks. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us, email us at grox at hotmail.com. For Berkeley Grox, I'm Gordon Campbell. And I'm Frank Ling. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.grox.net. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also stay tuned for more music with your host, Katie.